word. We thank you for blessing us with your word each and every day. We thank you, Father, for the spirit of God that dwells and lives on the inside of us. He grants us wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, Father. We thank you for the revelation of the spirit of God. We depend upon him, Father, to teach and to instruct and fulfill. And so, Lord, we yield to him. We, we, we yield to the spirit that you gave to us, Father. We yield to him to, to, as he speaks to us, Father, to obey and to accept. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and so, why don't we uh, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 6 real quick. I just wanted to, because, uh, of course, we weren't here last week. Jared was here last week. So we appreciate uh, Jared filling in for us. And um, um, I know when I used to fill in for my pastor, I always considered it a, a grave responsibility. Uh, and so uh, I know Jared feels that same weight of responsibility uh, as he's filled in for us on occasion. And so, um, uh, but here in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the verse in verse 18 is kind of how we ended up where we're at right now. It's just praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication with all saints. Uh, and so where it says, praying always with all prayer, different translations say all kinds of prayer or all manner of prayer. And so if you go through the scriptures, there's different prayers that are prayed by different people or instructed to pray. And uh, the purpose of that prayer uh, is different according to the circumstances. And so we've, we're not going to go through and rediscuss all the different types of prayer but it's important to know that, you know, it's not just, you know, in essence, prayer is communication with the Lord. But the goal and purpose of that prayer uh, is specific to the to the uh, circumstances at hand. Uh, and so you need to understand, you know, what's the purpose of that prayer and, you know, what, what's your goal in, in accomplishing uh, for that prayer? Because all goal, all prayers have goals in, in mind. Uh, and so, you know, what are you trying to do with that prayer? So. We have made it to uh, the prayer of intercession, <clears throat> and uh, this is the seventh type of prayer that we've talked about. Uh, and um, of course, before that, we talked about the prayer of uh, praying in other tongues. And uh, but intercession, you know, to me, as you go through the Word of God and see the purpose of it, it's got a, a unique place in the Word of God because if you're going to intercede, um, let's go back to Ezekiel 22. This is kind of our beginning scripture for intercession. Uh, if you're going to intercede, uh, you can only intercede if you are an unselfish person because it says here in Ezekiel uh, 22 in verse 30, uh, it says, And I sought for a man among them that, I should, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So and if you remember, we're not going to go through it again, but uh, starting back up in uh, verse 23 or so, uh, he, t he lists a bunch of terrible things that people are doing, you know, taking advantage of the poor, prophets not doing what they're supposed to be doing, the people not doing what they're supposed to be doing, violating the law, all kinds of terrible things. And, you know, even today, a lot of times, I, I see Christians, they'll see somebody do, do something wrong, and their attitude is, well, I hope God gets it. You know, well, they'll pay for that. You know, well, you know, it'll, it'll come back on them. And while that's true, uh, you know, the Lord has a way out. And so he says that I was looking for someone to intercede. Um, and the way he said that, I saw for a man that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap. So, you know, these people from verse 23 to 29 have all sinned. They're all outside the will of God. They've all done things wrong. And some of these things are, are terrible things that I did wrong. You know, one of the most terrible things you can do is to say you're speaking in the name of the Lord and you're not speaking in the name of the Lord, right? Uh, and, and I like the way that he said that in verse 28. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hath not spoken. Uh, you know, I have experienced many times in my life as a Christian where people have said, Thus saith the Lord to me, and I knew the Lord didn't say it. You know, well, the Lord told me this about you. You know, well, I mean, they weren't prophets, but... They were still saying the Lord told them something about me, but I hadn't done that. So, I mean, is, is the Lord, is he wrong sometimes? I mean, sometimes you just admit, you know, I thought you did it, but I'm sorry, you know, you didn't do it, you know, but I thought you did. The Lord never does that, obviously, right? Now, I understand that as imperfect people, you know, sometimes even sincerely, 
we can think we hear from the Lord, but we're not hearing from the Lord. You know, we're hearing from our flesh or our emotions or whatever it is. Any of sincere Christians can make the mistake, but there are insincere Christians who know that the Lord never spoke because it says uh, when the Lord has not spoken. So they knew the Lord hadn't spoken, but they said he did anyway. And they did that to manipulate people. Because if I came to you said, the Lord said for me, the Lord told me to tell you to give me all the money in your, in your wallet. And, and of course, I say that because I saw you go by the bank today and make a big withdrawal. So now I'm telling you, the Lord tells me. Of course, the Lord didn't tell me that, obviously, right? But people have done that over the years. People have many times from the pulpit said, you know, the Lord told me these things. And I remember uh, e- even years ago where... Uh, during a healing revival, there was one minister, and they said that he, he was just an exceptional minister. He, he would move in the gifts of the Spirit and uh, tell things about people, you know, to do things. And, and it, they said it was just amazing. They said, but the next service, he would yield sometimes to familiar spirits. And if you had, you know, a certain amount of spiritual awareness, you could tell, right? And of course, a lot of people, they, they, they are never, they're never spiritually aware. They're just whatever's happening, you know, they're just there. This is carnal, natural. They, they never really sense the move of the spirit in which way he's going. Uh, and so in some services, they would yield to a familiar spirits. Now, you know, these familiar spirits, they can observe things, right? They can see that car going down the road. And and so he would get up and say, you know, hey, you right there. Uh, the Lord said you've, you, you've got a diamond ring from your grandmother and it's in your top left hand drawer of your dresser and it's green and it's got an inscription on the on the gold band that says this i mean that sounds supernatural right that's not that supernatural i mean if you had a spy in your house you know that you know they would know that and so you know these familiar spirits of of the enemy's camp you know they know things right they know natural things you know and so they can observe those things and record those things and then now, they can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow because they're not divine. The Lord can tell you what's going to happen from the beginning to the end, right? He can tell you everything. But from their spirits, you know, they, all they can know is what happened. You know, it's just knowledge, right? It's just facts. So that's not, I mean, a supernatural in the standpoint that that guy didn't know that. But it's not divine in the sense of knowing things that haven't taken place yet. But he would do that. He, he would uh, call out certain things. And, and he, he became rich because he got all kinds of people empty their bank accounts, you know, and give them things that they ought not give them and, and regret it later, right? They just, you know, because if you do something and it's not the Lord, you're a spirit being, you're going to regret it because you're just going to know, well, that wasn't the Lord, you know. It seemed like the Lord at the time because of all the emotion. And, and, and I mean, who can deny the supernatural aspect of that? Uh, but when you kind of get aside and away from all the emotions, it seems as though it wasn't the Lord. And of course it wasn't. So so these are, you know, they thus saith the Lord when the Lord hath not spoken. And the Lord said uh, that left unchanged, every sin has to be judged, right? Because he's the great God of justice. Every sin has to be dealt with. Uh, and yet at the same time, he desires for men to avoid the judgment that is due their sin. Uh, and to have a, a way out to fall upon the mercy of the court. You know, even in our natural world, there are certain things that a judge would find you guilty for. And if you just cry upon the mercy of the Lord, I mean, mercy of the court, they have a certain amount of flexibility. They say, okay, we'll just write it off. We'll just call it even, right? We'll just, we'll just give you mercy and, and you will not be found guilty for this. And so now they can't do that for everything, but for certain things, certain crimes, minor mis- misdemeanors, they can just, you know... Uh, act like it never happened uh, and that's the mercy of the court well you know the Lord because he's merciful desires for mercy to occur when it can uh, now the problem with that is all of these people from verse 23 to verse 29 had sinned none of them were looking for repentance none of them were looking to to apologize none were looking to to repent and change their ways they were fine in their sin and there's certain Certain people who are just fine in their sin. They don't care. You know, they're sinners. You know, some Christians are that way. They sin that I don't care. You know, it's just nothing to them. Now, how you get that way, you can get callous in your heart. You know, you can get hard-hearted in your heart and be that way. And, and so in that state, when they're in sin and refusing to repent, they're in a precarious place because that sin will be judged. Uh, and that sin will have to be paid for by somebody, right? Somebody's got to pay for that sin. All sin has to be balanced out by justice. Uh, 
Uh, and so the only thing that can avoid that is mercy, right? Mercy can short circuit the law of sowing and reaping uh, in a negative sense, right? We like the good sense of sowing and reaping. If you, you, know, you sow good things, you're going to reap good things. That's a good part of sowing and reaping. But if you sow evil, you're going to reap evil. And, and that's a law, too. I mean, that's, the Lord put that law in motion when he created the universe. And that's just the way it is, right? Now, other, uh, other groups, people call it different things. You know, a, a lot of people call it karma, right? Which you just get what's coming to you, uh, which is essentially the law of sowing and reaping, good karma, bad karma. Uh, but they got that from the Lord, right? The Lord's created the law of sowing and reaping many uh, centuries before uh, there's karma and things like that. I mean, it's, it's there in Genesis chapter 8. Uh, and so, so there is a law of sowing and reaping. Uh, and in the case of sin, the sowing is a sin and the reaping is a judgment of that sin. Uh, and left to its own natural uh, momentum that the Lord put in place because of the law of sowing and reaping, if you sin, then left unchecked, then that sin will result in judgment. But a- as a Christian... We have the advantage that if we sin, we can bypass the judgment by repenting, right? He said that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you or pardon you of your sins. So he can just pardon your sins, right? Well, that's mercy. That's just him going, you're guilty, but we're going we're gonna to count it as if you didn't do it. That's called part, being pardoned, right? You know, Brother Randy, uh, he's been pardoned spiritually by the Lord, but he's been pardoned by the, by the government. And so the government said... Uh, you were guilty, you were arrested, you were confined to prison for life without parole. Uh, all of those things are true. We choose as a sovereign uh, entity to say that uh, you are now a person who has not done those things. We're going to treat you as if you have never done any of those things. And that's a part, and that's better than being released on parole, right? Because even if you're released on parole, having done your time, of course, he was with, there with life without parole, so he would never get out in, by parole. But uh, and, uh, normally, right, he did get out on parole eventually and then got pardoned later on. Uh, but normally, if you're life without parole, you're not going to get parole. That's the whole point of the phrase life without parole, right? Uh, and so, but the, the government paroled him. Uh, and then the government uh, pardoned him. And so they wiped it. So if you, if you do a search, what crimes has Randall Greer committed, unless he's committed some since he was pardon you know uh, which he hasn't but uh, uh, nothing would come up right there's no public no public record of a Randall Greer uh, from uh, Columbus Georgia having committed any crime at least you know in that uh, in that part that he was pardoned for uh, and so the Lord as a Christian he's given us a way to receive a pardon for our sins and it's called repenting right if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you or to pardon you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that's great. But what about the case for the person who just doesn't want to repent? Is there no hope for that person? Is there any hope for that person? There's always hope for that person because the Lord said, I need somebody to stand in the gap because now there's a gap between that person because every time we get out of the will of God, there's a gap between us and the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean even as a Christian, it doesn't mean we've lost our salvation, but there is a gap. There's a gap of grace. There's a gap of, of mercy. There's a gap in fellowship with the Lord. We're still Christians, and, you know, I'm not anybody's judge. But for the most part, if you sin as a Christian, you're going to go to heaven. Uh, and so now that's almost heresy in some circles, but I didn't write the Bible, you know. Uh, and so uh, so you can sin as much as you want to. Well, I mean, you can have as much death as you want to, too. I mean, that's, you know, sin and death go together, don't they, right? And you can have as much judgment as you want. Sin and judgment go together, too. Amen? And if you don't repent... There's going to be judgment. And so uh, how that takes place, when that takes place, what it looks like when it takes place, that's up to the Lord. But the Lord has also given a way uh, of providing mercy to get out of these things. Now, even in the Old Testament, if you go all the way back to the law, you know, in the law, they basically said, you know, look, if you kill your, if you kill your, your neighbor or something like that, you know, just kill him for some reason, even if it's an accident. Well, their, their relative can find you and kill you. Man, the Old Testament law is like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, buddy. That's just the way it is, right? You kill them, they get to kill you. You know, we'll call it even. They said, but we're going to set up a few cities uh, and we're going to call them the cities of refuge. We're going to put them in different places in, in Israel. And if, you, and if you killed somebody, but then if you run as fast as you can to that city and you make it there before the guy kills you, 
then it's like safe, right? Remember when you played tag and growing up, you, you had a place called safe, right, or base, and you get there, you know, I'm safe. So they can't tag you. As long as you're on base, you can, they can't tag you, right? That was the law. Uh, and it was the same thing in the Old Testament, right? If you get over there, if you get there before they kill you, you're safe, right? So they can't, they, you know, that was the law. You can't go inside the city and kill people. That was against the rules. And so that was a safe, so that was a, a, an example of mercy because they were guilty. They killed them, right? They did kill that person for whatever reason. But they somehow made it to the city of refuge uh, before they got hunted down, right? And so, um, so the Lord provided a way of mercy to occur, uh, uh, you know, if they could get to the city in time. So the Lord's always provided a way out of mercy because he's a merciful God. That still, you know, doesn't, doesn't take away from the fact that judgment does occur. So, uh, so the Lord is saying, look, all these guys are guilty. And none of them want to repent. Not a single one wants to repent. There wasn't any of them at all. And so the Lord said, I need somebody else to intervene on their behalf. I need someone to stand in the gap between them and me. Because there's a gap. And they don't want to cross that gap. They don't want to repent and, and make things right with me. They just want to stay the way they are. And the Lord said, left unchanged, they're going to suffer judgment. So I need somebody who, number one, is not selfish. Number two, is willing to spend the time to do it. You know, uh, to, to pray for the mercy for these people, to stand in the gap, make up the hedge, right? Uh, and he said, what's the purpose of this? He said, uh, I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge to stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. So it wasn't just the land, but it's the people in the land too, uh, because judgment would fall. Left unchanged, the judgment could fall. He said that I should not destroy it. So he was looking for somebody to request the Lord to have mercy in this situation. And if a man requested the Lord to have mercy, the Lord was willing to do it. And that's the way he set it up. Now why, why did he set up that way? Why he can just do mercy if he wants to do mercy? You know, you'll have to ask the Lord about that. But he set it up this way. Uh, and part of it has to do with the fact that he's holy and just. And, and sin requires judgment. And sin requires uh, things to be dealt with. But at the same time, uh, if the very creation that he created will ask him to, to uh, provide mercy, he's willing to do it. Uh, and yet, in this case, how many people did he find? He didn't find any. Now, and why is that? Because it, it does take some effort on our part as people who want to intercede to, number one, choose to, to be merciful. And really, you have to be a person who, who doesn't want to be a judge. You know, a lot of Christians love doing this right here, pointing their finger at everybody else, all the problems, you know. And what are they doing? Well, they're judge. You know, they decided that they're the judge, not the Lord. And they're always doing this right here. Well, you're wrong, and you're wrong, and, you know, you should die, and you should do, you know. They're always pointing their fingers at everybody else. Something like that can never be used for intercession because they're too busy finding all the faults of everybody else. You ever been around Christians who just are fault finders? You know, uh, I remember this one lady was talking about how uh, they went on a ladies' fellowship trip, and she and she and I wasn't involved in the conversation. I just happened to hear it, you know, as I was nearby. But she was kind of bragging about how, yeah, so and so, I really told them off in, in, on the trip there. All the things that were wrong with them, you know. Now I'm, I didn't say nothing because none of my, not my place to say it. But I'm thinking, have you ever looked in the mirror? I mean, what in the world, right? I mean, this person, you know, was, was a gossip, you know, and and uh, and touchy and. You know, I mean, all list of things that you could come up with that they needed to work on. Uh, none of my business, you know, I, I'm not their I'm not their conscience. But, you know, uh, why? Why? You know, didn't Jesus say, why, why are you uh, looking at the speck in your brother's eye and not at the beam in your own eye? A lot of times people think that your problems are so much bigger than their problems. And the Lord's like, they're really not. They're not nearly as big as yours, especially if you if you like standing in the position of a judge. So, you know, someone who's standing in a position of a judge the Lord would be looking for somebody to be an intercessor and he'd see that person go, can't use them and can't use them. They're pointing their finger at everybody and they're always right and, and, and everybody else is wrong. And, you know, he's looking for somebody who's willing to say, Lord, I, you know, I'm not perfect, but I would ask you to grant mercy upon these very prophets who are saying, thus saith the Lord when you never spoke. And Lord, I'm asking you to have mercy. I'm going to stand in the gap for them. I'm going to ask you, because he wasn't asking the people that were sinning. He was looking for people that hadn't sinned. And that group of people, maybe there's only three or four of them left because it sounded like a whole bunch of other people were sinning. But out of that group of people who wasn't sinning, he was like, I need, I need one guy, just one, right? I look for, a, find none, a man. I look for a man. 
a single person. Uh, and you think about that. All of these people, from verse 23 to verse 29, uh, the Lord said, I looked for a man, a single person that was willing to request for me to have mercy, which would then stay the judgment, right? It would keep the judgment for falling for those particular sins. Now, if they sin tomorrow, then it's a whole brand new list, right? So, I mean, all the, all the sins that you interceded for today would be cleaned out and pardoned because of your request. But if they just start back up tomorrow, you know, they're going to be eventually back in the same boat. So that's on them, though, right? Uh, so uh, it's not your fault if a year from now, judgment falls upon them and whatever that consequences you look like, you know, we don't know, but uh, that, that's not on you. Well, Lord, I prayed. Well, you did pray for them, but, you know, at the same time, um, it, it's uh, um, uh, they, 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 they have to, at some point, repent on their own. And so, um, you all remember the parable when the Lord said, I'm going to come down and, and cut down the unfruitful tree. Uh, that's, it's a great parable. I think it's a great parable. And the, the husbandman said, uh, not so, Lord. Give me one year to, uh, and, and while we're talking about this, turn over to Isaiah 59. Give me a year and, and I'll fertilize around it. Now, the Lord said, I'm going to destroy that tree. The Lord said that tree's not being fruitful. And he says in the other areas, of, even of the gospels, the Lord talked about, if you're unfruitful, then you're in the way and the Lord will cut you down. Now, how that works, I don't know. You know, the Lord's not busy killing people, but he can just take his hands off people and then let nature take its course and let the enemy do what he does. Um, and the husbandman, so the husband's not a type of the Lord Jesus. The husbandman is a type of people, us. Uh, and we said, Lord, uh, we're going we're gonna to fertilize around it and we're going to help this tree. Uh, and so it's a little bit different role than an intercessor because now you're directly going to that person and you're, you're trying to help that person get back to being right with the Lord. Uh, and so, but it's similar, right? You're interceding on their behalf by going to them and trying to help them out. Uh, and that's a good role to have. It's a good, if it, it's a good job to have. Now, look, if, if the tree doesn't respond after a year, is that on you? If you've done everything you're supposed to do and dug around the tree and put all the fertilizer around the tree and, and the tree still doesn't produce fruit, is that on you? It's not on you, but it is hard on us, right? We don't like to see people uh, lose out on good opportunities with the Lord. Now, and so the, this verse in, in Isaiah 59 is very similar to the verse in, in uh, Ezekiel 22. It's an, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Uh, therefore, his arm brought salvation unto, them, unto him and his righteousness had sustained him. Uh, but uh, just, like, just like Ezekiel... There was no intercessor. There was no one. And, and uh, uh, it's interesting, he says, and he wondered. He wondered, why can I not find a single person who's willing to stand in the gap, to willing to pray? Because these people, now intercession isn't only used for uh, people who are committing sins, but that's, uh, that's often the case. That intercession is probably most often used in the case where somebody is in sin and they refuse to repent. And that can be either sinners. Sometimes it can be sinners. Sometimes it can be Christians, right? Uh, and so uh, it's whoever, whatever group of people or individuals who are unwilling to go to the Lord themselves, then you can stand in the gap and make up the hedge on their behalf. Uh, and so that's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to, to do that. Uh, but um, you're going to have somebody willing to do it. So let's turn over to one of the most famous uh, examples of this in, uh, in Genesis chapter 18. And I think it's, there's actually many good examples in the Word of God, and we may not go through all of them, but I think it's helpful to go through some of these stories of intercession because we want to get to the same heart that allowed these intercessors, whatever heart that they had, we want to have that same heart. That's kind and merciful. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, e even, uh, you know, Jonah, right? Jonah, the Lord wanted to use him as an intercessor. The Lord wanted to use him to go to the town of Nineveh and preach the good news to them. So, again, it's more, it's more like the parable where the man went to the tree. Uh, and he went, but kind of drug, uh, dragging his feet, right? Uh, we know the story of Jonah. What happened to Jonah? 
He swallowed by the whale, right? Uh, and so, and why did he swallow, get swallowed by the whale? Because he was unwilling to go and help these people. Because he, he thought, you know, if I go help these people, there's a good chance they're, they're going to repent. And I don't want them to repent. I want them to get what's coming to them. I want them to get the law of sowing and reaping. I want the law of sowing and reaping to come into them. Uh, but you remember the Lord said, if you sow mercy, you're going to get what? You're going to get mercy. You know, for me, uh, my plan, uh, and it's a very selfish plan, my plan is that any, every time I can, I'm going to pray for mercy for somebody. So that someday in the future, if I happen to need mercy, I'm going to say, Lord, you know, I've sowed a lot of mercy. You know, I have, I have prayed for a lot of people. I have, I have pardoned a lot of people in my life. And, and I need to, to make a withdrawal from my bank account of mercy. Uh, and I've not had to do that yet. But, you know, if I do need to do that someday, I want to have a bank account. Some people, you know, when they need mercy, they look at their bank account and it's zero. Right. They have no account of mercy because all they've done was sow judgment on everybody else. Well, they should do that. You know, well, they, you know, they should get that. They should get the axe. You know, they should be fired. They should be buried. You know, whatever, whatever. And, and uh, I see people, you know, you go you get on the Internet. And you get all these crazy people all the time. But just even not just on the Internet, but just in life. You know, I hear people that are so harsh and unkind and unmerciful to people and just willing to let them all die. Burn them all, Lord. And that's that's tough. Right? I mean, that's a, that's a tough way to be because that is not sowing mercy. So when you need mercy, would you be able to take a withdrawal on your account? You know, have you ever sowed mercy in somebody's life? Have you ever looked at a situation? Now, see, mercy understands guilt, right? Mercy understands that person's guilty. That person did that thing. Yeah. And there's no excuse in that thing. They did that thing. But I'm going to choose to have mercy. Now, you know, emotions will say, well, they didn't mean it or, you know, they, they didn't really do that, you know, and, and, you know, they try to excuse their actions. And that's not mercy at all. That, that's just really lying you know, to some extent. Uh, but if you're really a person who walks in love and walks in mercy, you can look at the situation and go, yeah, that, that, uh, that's, uh, they did that thing. And normally uh, there should be some consequences for that thing that they did. But, Lord, I'm going to ask you to grant mercy upon them. Uh, because mercy is only for the guilty. It's not for the innocent, right? No innocent people need mercy. Only guilty, guilty people need Now, it doesn't mean that you're standing in judgment for everything. You know, you don't know the heart, people's hearts and intent. You, you know, so some things you can look at that and go, well, I don't know. I, you know. I was going to leave that alone. But for some things that are clear in the word of God, you know, somebody caught in the very act of adultery, for example, right? Where Jesus, in, in, uh, in the book of John, right? John chapter 8, uh, Woman called the very act of adultery. And the law says you've got to stone her. Of course, there was a setup there, right? Because they knew that uh, the Romans had, with had removed the law that allowed the Israelites to kill people, right? They could judge them in every other way, give them 39 lashes, right? But uh, if they got 40 lashes, then that was a death sentence. And the Romans said, no, you, we, we reserve the right for the death penalty for us. And don't be doing that. And so that's why they were trying to catch Jesus in a catch-22, because if he said, well, don't stone her, you know, then they would say, well, see, look, you, you're not going by the law. The law says stone her. Uh, and if he said, do stone her, then they would run to the Romans and said, hey, this guy over here is telling people to kill people, and, you know, you said it was against the law, so you need to go, you go arrest that guy. So they're trying to set him up, right? Uh, and so that's why he gave the, the most awesome answer, you know, in the world, let him who's out of sin cast the first stone, uh, but see, uh, and, but at the end of it, remember what he told the woman? He said, where are thine accusers? Uh, well, they're all gone. Well, neither do I condemn thee. Go and, and do what? Sin no more, right? So did he grant mercy to her? He did. Was she guilty? She was. He said she was guilty. He said you committed adultery. Uh, and, and so, you know, I believe if it had been a made-up, trumped-up uh, charge that she really didn't do it and they just made it up, he, he would have said, well, you guys made this up. So as far as we can tell, it was a real sin. She really committed the sin. And yet he chose to grant her mercy in that case. She was guilty, right? Totally guilty. Uh, and, you know, she wasn't begging for mercy. She wasn't repenting or anything like that. You know, we don't know if she had an attitude of, you know, hey, you know, I just liked him. And, I mean, we don't know anything about that other than she was guilty and he chose to have mercy upon her. Uh, and so now we now you've got to understand the Lord is merciful every day, right? 
But he does say in the word that I will have mercy upon whom I have mercy. So mercy is a sovereign act, right? Mercy is an act that the Lord in heaven chooses to do only because he chooses to do it. Uh, nobody can make him do it. You can't believe God for it in the sense of, Lord, you said in your word that you would always grant mercy, so I'm going to ask you to grant mercy. Um, you know, you can request him to have mercy, and, uh, you know, probably nine times out of ten, if not more than that, maybe all the time, he would grant mercy if you ask for it. Uh, is there a limit to that? There's probably a limit to it because the very nature of mercy is a sovereign act. Uh, and so, so we know the story, right? Uh, the story... Uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 18 is a story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Sodom and Gomorrah. What do we know about the city of Sodom and Gomorrah? Was it a happy place? No, it was a place of sin, right? Uh, uh, you know, homosexuality and bestiality and, and, and all, you know, I mean, the worst of the worst sins that could be done. They did it there, right? Now, if you go over to Ezekiel, it talks about how they didn't treat their children right. And, uh, but, you know, the Bible calls homosexuality an abomination and Ezekiel also talks about their abomination. So not treating your kids right is not, it's not right, but it's not called an abomination. So, you know, uh, and people are always, it, it's amazing to me how many homosexuals use, try to skirt around the fact, you know, and say that Sodom and Gomorrah was about homosexuality. And yet it's all about homosexuality. Uh, and so uh, now I'll tell you this, you know, this is not a, a discussion about homosexuality, but you, if you talk about homosexuality in church, and you want to grant homosexuals mercy, you'll get burned at the stake in the church. You know, nowadays, you burn them all, right? And you're all going to die and go to hell. And, and I never have understood that in particular because is homo homosexuality a sin? 100% sin. Is it outside the will of God? 100% outside the will of God. Is, is it ever okay to be a homosexual? Never okay to be a homosexual. Were you born that way? You were never born that way. You were born in the, in the image and likeness of God. You just chose to do it somewhere along the way. Uh, there are no homosexuals who are born homosexuals. All homosexuals chose to be homosexuals. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it always will be. Uh, and so the nice thing is, if you chose to be one, you could choose to unbe one. Uh, and they've got, uh, they call it conversion therapy. There's no such thing as conversion therapy. There's only repentance and, and there's deliverance, right? No such thing as conversion therapy in the church. But some people in the church try to use psychology to get people to stop doing things that are in sin. You can't use psychology to get people to stop sinning. You have to use repentance and, and you have to use revelation knowledge that, you know, the revelation that what you're doing is a sin uh, and then the power of grace to repent. Uh, and that's how you do it. You don't, uh, sometimes you've got to cast out devils out of people. Sometimes you've got to rebuke the devils on people's lives if there's a stronghold there. You know, I mean, th those are all real things that you've got to do. You know, you may, you may deliver somebody from homosexuality in a sense of praying for them and casting a devil out of their life. Uh, and if they're a Christian, they can't be possessed with the devil, but they can have demonic forces that influence them. Uh, and, you know, from my understanding, in the area of homosexuality, there's a lot of demonic influence in that uh, particular sin. Because, I mean, where did you decide along the way that, that if you're a boy, you suddenly like boys? Because you're designed, if you're a boy, to like girls. You know, you're designed that way out of the womb. You came out of the womb liking girls. And somewhere along the way, you decided you like boys. Well, how did you decide to like boys? Well, there's society, there's demonic uh, uh, oppression that will lie to you and say, well, you like boys, you know, and you've always liked boys and you always will like boys. And it's not true, you know. Uh, and they've done, I mean, even psychologists, of course, they can't do it anymore because it's kind of unethical, but they would do tests and someone would walk in the door and say, are you, are you all right? You look a little sick. Oh, I feel fine. And then next guy over here, are you sure you look a little sick? Well, no, I feel fine. And the third part, you know, you look so sick. Well, you know, I was feeling a little bit weak just the other day, you know. And, and what they do? Well, they convince them in their mind that they're sick, even though they're not sick. And there's no difference for, for any other sin. You know, all sins basically work the same way. Didn't the devil come to, to Eve? Hath God said, thou shalt not eat of the tree of You know, I hadn't really thought about that. Maybe it's okay. Well, so how'd she get there? Because somebody whispered in her ear that, you know, the tree's probably not so bad. And if you, you listen to whispers enough, long enough, you will believe them. And, and I can guarantee you, every homosexual, every homosexual, there was a point in time when they started listening to those thoughts. Now, your average person probably gets weird thoughts like that on occasion. Oh, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. For any sin, right? Hey, go rob a bank. I don't rob a bank. Shut up, you know. And you would move on. You never think twice about it, right? Uh, of course, I've driven by banks going, you know, 
I've seen their security. It's pretty weak security. I bet I could go in there and do that. I mean, you, you know, you go through that whole scenario. Now, you don't, never really, you don't really do that, right? But, you know, you ever had that thought cross your mind? Yeah, I, bet I, could, I bet I could rob that bank, you know. <laughs> this is not a confession. I haven't robbed any banks. You know, I'm not in any post office or anything like that. But, but, uh, but you know, every, every Christian has had thoughts that really were ungodly thoughts. And 99 out of 100 times, maybe way more than that, we go, I ain't doing that. Shut up. And we move on. Right? We cast that thought aside. Right? Remember, the Bible says to take captive every thought uh, under the obedience of the Lord Jesus. We take that thought and go, no, you're in jail. You're in thought jail. Go away. Uh, and you just cast that thought aside. But on occasion, we'll linger on a thought. You know, it's okay. I mean, every Christian that's committing adultery, every Christian that's living in, in, in sin, you know, uh, they grew up knowing that living together, well, that's wrong. You know, we don't do that. That's, you know, that, that's just, you know, you've got to get married before you live with somebody else, you know. But then they watch enough TV shows. Well, you know, most people are just living together. You know, it's okay. You know, as long as you love each other. And then, and then they wake up one day, you know, I think I'll just live with them before we get married. Well, you didn't grow up that way. Somewhere along the way, the, those thoughts, and, and you kind of like that thought, you know, well, you know, Marriage stuff seems kind of expensive, you know. You got to buy these flowers, got to buy a ring, you know. I mean, wow, it's just, it just costs so much money, you know. You can just just bypass all that and just go live with somebody and get all the same benefits as, as far as you think. And, and so, you know, all sin starts the same way. They all start with uh, a lie that whatever that thing is, it's okay. And the devil's throwing lies at every single Christian. And you know, nine hundred ninety-nine times out of a thousand, that Christian goes, "I ain't doing that." But every now and then that thought comes by and you go, you know, maybe that's not so bad, right? All this, I would never do that. And, and the, people who, the people who are so adamant, I would never do that. You've got to be careful because they're probably doing this over here. People that are just, you know, just, oh, I would never do that thing over there. You know, uh, and, and, I, and I wonder if that's not why the church is so hard, specifically against homosexual. I would never do that. I mean, and mean about it and hateful about it was... You know, was Jesus ever hateful to any sinner? I mean, any sinner, other than the Pharisees, the, the religious sinners. But as far as just your garden variety sinner, adulterers, right? Was he mean to the lady called the very act of adultery? You know, I mean, that's, she's a homewrecker, right? You know, maybe ruined a whole household of people. I don't know. Uh, and um, he still called it a sin, though, right? So we don't get to not call it a sin. It's still a sin. Every sin's a sin, regardless of... If, if society wants to redefine it as not sin, it's still a sin, right? Uh, and so here we are. Sodom and Gomorrah have been doing their thing, right? Uh, we know with, uh, when Lot went there, and, and, uh, it was crazy, right? Now, see, Lot messed up because uh, why did Lot and Abraham part ways? Anybody remember? Well, they both got too rich, right? Remember that story? They got too rich, and now they're... Now, Lot's shepherds are fighting with Abraham's shepherds, and now they're, you know, so they're, they're, there's not enough room for all the, all the stuff they got. So they decide to part ways. Now, was Lot rich because he was some super smart guy? No, why was Lot rich? Because he hung around Abraham, right? You've got to hang around with the people that got the, that got the anointing on their life. That's who you hang around with, right? And so Lot got the, we call the slop over blessing, right? It's kind of slop over from Abraham. Abraham too much. And so, you know, Lot got the benefit of that. And so remember what, what did Lot leave Sodom and Gomorrah with? Nothing, right? Now he left to go to Sodom and Gomorrah because he had too much stuff. He left Sodom and Gomorrah with zero. What happened to all of his stuff? Well, he left, he left the Lord, right? He left the, the man of God there, Abraham, uh, and of course, you know, a lot of people, oh, I, I, I got all this on my own. No, you didn't. You got it from that guy over there. You know, nothing I've got, I got on my own. I got it from Brother Hagen and Lester Summerall and T.L. Osborne. And, you know, I didn't get, you know, I got very little of my own, right? I mean, every now and then I find an acorn like a blind squirrel, but, uh, but for the most part, I got it from because somebody else had it. And so, you know, I'm not leaving my Abrahams and people like that. So they part ways. Now, of course, Abraham, being a man of faith, and no fear to so tell you what, Lot. You just look. You just look in every direction. You just pick. You just pick wherever you want to go. I'll be fine. No matter where you go, I'm going to be fine. Now, most people are too selfish to do that. They go, well, I'm the eldest. I'm the senior person, so I'm going to pick first. You get whatever's left over. But Abraham's like, you you pick everything. Leave me on a flat rock in the desert. I'm going to be fine. And so, Lot looked around. 
He looked over there, you know, the promised land. You know, that looks like, you know, a lot of work over there. Looked over there at the green grass of, of sin with Sodom and Gomorrah. That's, I, I want to go over there. And Abraham's like, okay, see ya, you know. Now, it was, it was dumb, but he still did it anyway, right? Uh, and so, so now he's down there. And uh, the uh, city of Sodom and Gomorrah won't, will not repent. All that sin's going on, they're not repenting. They think what they're doing is godly. They think, you know, uh, there's probably a lot of preachers in Sodom and Gomorrah because they're preaching, hey, you know, God knows you have needs and, you know, God wants you to be free and happy, so just sin however you want to. You know, it's okay. You know, God's just, he's going to look the other way. Does God look the other way? You know, he never, ever looks the other way with sin. Never. All sin will be judged, including the sin of, including the sin of homosexuality. Uh, and now people call it hate speech and it's not hate speech. If, if, if I know you're hurting yourself, I'd want to help you to not, to not hurt yourself, right? And I didn't write the rules. The Lord wrote the rules that, that uh, God created men and women, men and women to be together, and not men and men or women and women to be together. Um, he created men to be with women and women to be with men. That's his divine uh, ideal. And, um, uh, and, of course, the devil loves to twist everything. Amen? You know, it, it's not... You know, uh, this whole thing, if you remember back uh, under the a couple of presidents ago, you know, it was still not uh, fashionable to be a homosexual, still fashionable not to be in same-sex marriages. In fact, it was illegal to have same-sex marriage in most, most states. Uh, and then it seemed like a wave swept through the world. And all of a sudden, homosexuality is cool and hip, and same-sex marriage is, is all right. And, uh, and then... You know, they thought they would stop there, but now it's transgenderism, right? Now it's, you know, not just men with women, but men who want to become women. Uh, and not just men with men, but, you know, men who want to become women. And you, you think it's going to stop there? It's not going to stop there. It'll be men with boys and, and, and women with girls. And, and after that, it, it'll be men with dogs and women with cats. And, I mean, it'll be sleeping with everything that moves. And you, I mean, you, you don't think the perversion is going to continue? It'll continue till the Lord Jesus comes back, and it'll get progressively worse. And they even talk about, you know, I mean, it used to be uh, there, there's a group of people, I forget what they're called because they're just, they're dumb sinners, but, you know, who, who, who want to promote men with boys. And, you know, 20 years ago, be, you know, that, that was people that hit under a rock. And they should be hit under a rock, right? Stuff like that. Uh, but now, you know, they can get out from under the shadows and go, you know, uh, you know, we're not really that wrong as long as the boys, you know, okay with it, you know, and. It's not okay, and it'll never be okay. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, that, of course, that's the time of the Romans. You know, th th this is not the first time this has ever happened in the world. We've got stuff like this going on right here in the Bible, but still, you know, it shouldn't happen in, in godly societies like ours. Uh, and so, so here we are. We're in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it says, now these two men had come and visit their angels. They came and visited Abraham. Talked to him for a little while, and it says, And the men arose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because... The cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. So now he's telling Abraham what's going on. That the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. The cry of what? The cry of sin. You know, sin has a voice, and the Lord can hear that because their sin is so great. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. Now, this is an interesting, interesting verse here. Does the Lord know everything? He does. He knows everything from beginning in, but sometimes he has to go down and see things. And why that is, you know, I don't know. It's not that it's limited to God, but he just has to go down in their presence and see things. And there, there are certain things that you'll never know until you're in that presence of that thing. Uh, and so, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and so the Lord's not limiting himself, but he, he needed to go down and see, uh, in fact, if those things that he heard was going on was actually going on. Uh, and so these men, in verse 22, turned their face from, from thence, went towards Sodom and Gomorrah. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So the two angels, went. they're going to go down and, and, and report back to the Lord. And the Lord's staying with, with, uh, 
with uh, Abraham. Now, generally speaking, this is probably the Lord Jesus uh, because it, it was generally his role to do these things. God the Father is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is the power of all, all the Godhead. Uh, and if you want to argue the case that it is the Lord Jesus, it's fine. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but it's probably the Lord Jesus here uh, talking with Abraham. You remember uh, the Lord Jesus even said about Abraham before uh, he knew me, right? Uh, he said, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, and so uh, that's really in reference to this situation right here. So now uh, the angels are going down. They're going to go check out Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Abraham's talking with the Lord directly here. They're, they're, they're um, uh, near each other in verse 23. It says, Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now who's in Sodom? Lot's in Sodom, right? So, so has Lot repented? Ha- has the cries of repentance come from Lot? Has, has a cry for deliverance come from Lot? No, lots looks like everybody else in Sodom. You know, you hang around with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. And after a while, you hang around with sinners, you're going to look like a sinner. You may not be a sinner, but you're going to look like a sinner, smell like a sinner, act like a sinner, talk like a sinner. You know, Christians who talk like sinners, why do they talk like sinners? Well, they hang around with sinners all the time, you know. I got no problem being around sinners, but they're not my best friends, right? My best friends are people of God. And I love sinners, and I want them to, to know the Lord like I know the Lord. But they can't be my best friend because we're not of the same family. We're not got the same destination. We're not, we don't have to share, share the same desires and goals in this life. Um, I got no problem with sinners, but they're not my best friends. But if you're, all your best friends are sinners, you know, uh, you're going to sound like Lot after a while, right? Now, so Lot wasn't repenting. No repentance in Lot's, Lot's part. Lot wasn't interceding on, for the, for the uh, city of Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but there's an Abraham. And so now there's a gap, right? There's a gap. The Lord's here. Sodom and Gomorrah's over there. So now there's a gap between the two. And left unchecked, Sodom and Gomorrah is going is to reap the judgment of their sin. Uh, and, and, you know, we say rightfully so, but it's rightfully so that all sin is judged. Um, and it's only rightfully so because the Lord is righteous. It's not because we're glad that they, they, they fall under condemnation and, sin, and judgment. It just, it, that's just what it is. And so now Abraham said, will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He said, peradventure there be 50 righteous within a city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? I just love that phrase. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So this is Abraham. Tell the Lord, Lord, you know, won't you do right? You know, if there's righteous people over there, um, surely you got to spare it. You know, that would be the right thing to do. Uh, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So he's asking the Lord, if there's 50 people over there, surely you'll, you'll, you'll not judge them and destroy that city, right, for 50 people. Uh, and so did the Lord get mad at him? No, no, what did the Lord say? And the Lord said in verse 26, he said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within a city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. So, so now what is Abraham doing? He's interceding. He's asking for mercy. Now, he's not asking mercy for the sinners in Sodom. He's asking mercy that uh, the city be spared so that the other righteous people aren't destroyed along with the, with the sinners, right? So, you know, this is a little bit of unique scenario of, of uh, intercession uh, because you know in, in a lot of judgments sometimes uh, other people are affected so if there's a man that's in sin and the Lord takes his hands off uh, and, and allows him to be destroyed you remember the man in, in 1 Corinthians 5 right where where Paul said this man's with his father's wife and 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 I and and I've judged the situation and I've handed this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh well, did that guy have any children? Did he have any sisters or brothers or maybe a, a widowed mother that he was caring for? Would those people be harmed because that man fell dead? Well, sure they would be, right? So sometimes, uh, although it's justified because the Lord is just, that judgment falls upon somebody, uh, it's rare that that doesn't affect other people's lives. And if the Lord came and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin, it would have affected those 50 righteous people, right? Because they're there in the city. And, and they're not getting out. They're not asked to get out. The Lord's not told them to get out. 
Uh, and, um, uh, and so they're there. So they would be destroyed along with the rest of the city. So Abraham's really interceding for the righteous people here. So, so who's the only one that we know that's in Sodom, though? It's, it's Lot, right? Now, the New Testament calls uh, Lot righteous Lot. So we know Lot is righteous. Uh, but I'm not sure that Abraham thinks he's righteous. We'll find out as we go along here. Uh, and so the Lord said, I'm going to destroy it. And so Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Now, Abraham was the first man with a covenant with God, right? Adam was created 20 generations past. Abraham now is a covenant with God. So uh, although Abraham was the father of faith, you know, Abraham's level of faith really wasn't even as great as Moses. We're going to look at some intercession with Moses. And Moses is even more adamant and more uh, sort of demanding of the Lord than Abraham is. And, and I personally like the example of Moses's intercessions even more than Abraham because Abraham's a little bit hesitant here, right? He, he's a little bit, uh, uh, doesn't have a, a full confidence, right? Because he says, um, I have spoken upon, uh, I've taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there, there shall lack five of the 50. Will thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. So Abraham's asking, you know, he said, well, 50. Well, it's okay. I won't do it for 50. And Abraham's like, how about 45? And the Lord said, okay, the number's 45. A minute ago, it was 50. Now it's 45. Uh, and he spake yet again in verse 29 and said, Peradventure there shall uh, be 40 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 40's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. So again, you can see that Abraham, he's compelled to ask. But at the same time, there's a, a little bit of, of uh, hesitancy because he doesn't want to overstep his bounds with the Lord. And now the Lord never, does the Lord ever show any anger towards Abraham at all? No, and, and so we can learn from that. Even though Abraham had a, 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 a uh, lack of confidence as far as being 100% confident, because of his desire for mercy, it compelled him to ask anyway. But he was still a little bit unsure if the Lord would be okay with him asking. And so, you know, and I think that's why uh, Moses had more confidence because Moses knew the story of Abraham here. Uh, and so uh, the Lord said, uh, uh, okay, I'm for... Uh, 45 is the number, fine. And then uh, Abraham again, said, how about 40? The Lord said, 40 is fine. Uh, and Abraham said, how about 30? The Lord said, 30 is fine. Uh, and the Lord said, how about, and Abraham said, how about 20? The Lord said, 20 is fine. So, so maybe Abraham was like a weekend auctioneer. I don't know. You know, maybe down on Saturdays he was down at the auction house and, you know, he's, he's, he's auctioning off of the Lord, right? And, and so he started at 20. Now he's done, he's done at 50. Now he's done at 20. Uh, and, and so uh, he said in verse 32, and he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. Now, did the Lord show any anger at all? The Lord's never angry when you ask him for mercy. Now, sometimes he'll say, I can't extend mercy. But he's never going to be angry at you for asking for mercy. Uh, and so he said, oh, not, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten be found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Now, uh, Lot was righteous, right? How many men is Lot? He's just one, right? Abraham stopped at 10. Uh, and I always wondered why Abraham, I mean, if, he, he, if he'd gone to one, then the Lord would have spared it, right? Because he did start at 50. The Lord was fine at 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. The Lord was fine with it. Every number that Abraham came up with, the Lord was fine with it. And the Lord said, that's enough. Did the Lord ever say that? Never put the limit. Uh, and so he got down to 10. And I always wonder if maybe Abraham was unsure if Lot was really righteous. Uh, you know, because if, if he got down to one, I said, sure, I won't destroy it for one, but there ain't even one. You know, then he would have known that Lot, Lot had gone over to the dark side. Well, Lot hadn't gone over to the dark side, although, you know, he, he looks like sin and been around sin. He's still called righteous Lot. Uh, and so the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. So we know the rest of the story, right? Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. They did, they did rescue Lot out of there. The angels rescued Lot. Uh, and Lot's even, I mean, how terrible Lot is. He tried to give him his daughters. You know, they, they, all the crazy people tried to attack there. And he said, well, just take my daughters, you know. 
because they wanted the men. The men wanted the, the, the angels look like men, and, and all the homosexuals wanted the men, right? Uh, and so what were they going to do with men? Do things that men ought not do with men, right? But that's what they wanted to do. Uh, and so they didn't know they were angels, and then, of course they, they appeared as angels and scared everybody away. Uh, and Lot, but even Lot, to take my daughters. That's a terrible person, right? You know, I mean, he's righteous, but uh, he's not an example that we should follow. So Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. But the thing, the thing we need to remember is, you know, a lot of people love to talk about how Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And it was destroyed. And every sin will, will face judgment. But are we willing to, to request mercy? You know, we are, as, are we as Christians willing to, for the worst rank, and these, these were top of, you know, there's no other city destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? No other city that was destroyed for that much sin. Uh, and so, uh, and yet the Lord was okay with a man asking for mercy for this city. Uh, are we willing to ask for mercy when we find the worst sinner? You know, the sinners are listed in Ezekiel 22. They're the worst. You know, they're, 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 they're religious sinners, a lot of them, right? People who say the Lord spoke when the Lord didn't speak. And then we got rank sinners here, just your average sinners here, doing terrible things with each other. Uh, was the Lord willing to entertain the possibility of mercy? He was. Uh, with, with Abraham, he was willing to entertain it. Uh, and so for us, where do we go when we see sinners? What's our first go-to? Lord, get them all. Burn them up. Eat them up. You know, whatever it takes, Lord. Uh, just, just get rid of them all. Is that our first go-to, or are we more like Abraham? Uh, and now Abraham went to the Lord with fear and trembling. Lord, you know, I, 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 please don't be angry. But I'm, I'm going to ask you for mercy. So, that, and Abraham's the father of our faith, Amen. Did Abraham excuse the sin in Sodom and Gomorrah? No. Did Abraham lie and say it really wasn't sin? They're not really doing anything wrong, Lord. Just overlook it. No, he didn't try to reclassify sin as not being sin, right? Now, the world is always trying to reclassify sin. That's not really sin. There's no such thing as sin. Even people in the church, well, there's no such thing as sin. If Jesus died for every sin, there's no sin. Is there sin? There's still sin, right? Uh, just ask uh, Ananias and Sapphira from Acts chapter 5. There's a real sin, Amen. So, so Abraham interceded or stood in the gap, right? Nobody in Sodom and were, were trying to repent. Nobody was crying unto the Lord to repent. Nobody was crying to the Lord for mercy and for forgiveness. Nobody. All glad to be sinners. And, and, and Lot was, was right along with them, right? Now, we don't know what... Now, fortunately, Lot was married to a woman, right? Had children by the woman. Uh, but... Um, we all know Lot's wife, right? She didn't make it out. She almost made it out, but then she looked back longing to be with the sinners, right? And so she didn't really make it out that well because the Lord said, don't look back. And what did she do? She looked back. She apparently never heard the story of Eve, right? Don't touch a tree. What did she do? Or don't eat of the tree. What'd she do? Ate of the tree, right? So if the Lord says, you know, do something, what should you do? Don't do what he just told you not to do, right? That'd be the right thing to do. So, um, so again, are we making light of sin? Does an intercessor make light of sin? No, the intercessor sees the sin exactly what it is. It's sin, and it's, and it's an affront to the justice of God. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, we were, men were boys and, and men with men, and I mean, it was all, all the above, right? Because he was going to give his daughters to these men. To, they were going to treat her and do horrible things to them, uh, and, except for the angels intervened, right? And said, no, that's not going to happen. And, of course, later on, then the daughters slept with Lot and had children by their dad. So, uh, I mean, that just goes on and shows you all the crazy things that happen in the Bible, right? So the, the thing that we need to learn from here is, um, uh, is that what motivates an intercessor is always mercy. Uh, in this, and generally speaking, when you're, when you're dealing with people that are outside the will of God, then what should motivate you is a sense of mercy uh, that uh, if mercy doesn't fall, judgment will fall and people will, will lose whatever they lose. They could lose their life, lose their health, fall under, under the, the judgment of the Lord. And whatever the consequences of that is, then, uh, then that's the way it is. Now, sometimes the Lord will tell you mercy cannot be extended in this case. Um, and for me personally, you know, unless the Lord says that, then I'm going to pray for mercy as long as I can. And, and there, there have been two cases, and as long as I've been praying for people, where the Lord told me, you stop praying for that person. And, and that's pretty tough, right? Because I was interceding on their behalf. 
They weren't following the will of God, weren't doing right. And the Lord said, you stop praying for that person. Uh, and there's been lots of times when I've told the Lord, I said, Lord, unless you tell me to stop, I'm going to keep praying for them. And, and even if I see them staying in their, their path that they're in, uh, unless the Lord says to stop it, and he can, because mercy is a, is a sovereign act. Uh, unless he tells us to stop it, I will pray until, until mercy is arrived. At, because if they don't change and repent, mercy is needed every day, right? Until they actually change and repent. So uh, I'm going to continue to pray for mercy for people, uh, plenty of people, right? And that's why if anybody ever does anything to me, you know, the very first thing I always pray for them, I always pray mercy for them, always. Because I'm going to stay innocent. If you harm me and come against me in any way, judgment will fall on you. Now, I'm not, I'm not putting a hex on you. I'm just saying that if you harm the innocent, go read Psalm 18, you know, verses like that. The Lord does not take kindly to his innocent children being harmed in any way. Uh, and, you know, uh, um, other scriptures talk about things like that. Uh, and, and judgment will fall upon people that come and attack you. Now, if you're guilty and, you know, you started it, right? You said something bad about their mama and they, oh, yeah, you know, step outside, well, you're not innocent, right? You've got a part to play in that. Two wrongs don't make a right. But if you've not done anything wrong and people just attack you, their judgment will fall upon that person unless they either repent or somebody asks for mercy for them. Now, they can repent, and I believe a lot of people do repent. Uh, but when somebody does something to me, I always pray, Lord, please don't let anything they've done to me be held to their account. Wipe their account clean. As far as me and them go, I'm asking you not to hold anything they've done to their account. Because there's an account in heaven, right? Everything you do is in heaven. Uh, remember, you're going to be judged for all the deeds you've done in the body, both what? Good and what? And bad, right? So there's an account in heaven. I don't know who the accountant is, but, you know, he's got a busy job. Uh, and so uh, every account of every event that you do is in heaven. And, and the only way that, that you're not going to be guilty for that you know, they're going to look at this event. You know, okay, this is a bad thing. I'm going to look over in the column. Paid for. Okay, so that's not, that's not a big deal, right? That's not a deal at all. And so I want, when the Lord sees that, that bad event done in heaven, that when he looks over in the column, it's going to say paid, paid in full. Why? Because I've asked for the mercy for that thing. I've asked the Lord to not hold that to their account. Uh, and, and that's really what Abraham was asking, the Lord to, to stay his judgment, uh, you know, he was asking on behalf of these righteous people, but the people of Sodom and Gomorrah would have been uh, benefited from that. Now, we're, we'll eventually look at some examples with Moses who was praying for the guilty. He was actually asking the Lord to not judge the guilty. Abraham was asking to the Lord not to judge the guilty on the, uh, for the sake of the righteous, but uh, Moses just went straight for the guilty. He said, Lord, just I want to ask you. They're guilty. We all know they're guilty. I'm not going to ask you for mercy for them. And, and it's one of the best best examples i think in the whole bible of how we ought to live our lives in the earth is how moses operated his life amen and so let's pray and thank the lord for for the word today so father we thank you for the word of god we thank you father for blessings of heaven father we 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 make no we we, we do not uh, make light of sin and we do not call good evil and evil good father if it's evil it's still evil if it's sin it's still sin but lord there is mercy and in the context of intercession, Father, intercession is driven by the, the desire for mercy because you are a merciful God. You are kind towards your people, but you're also kind towards sinners, Father. You said you send the, the rain on the just and the unjust, Father. And so you desire, if you can, to have mercy and you're seeking for people, men and women, to ask you to apply mercy when judgment would fall otherwise. And so we ask you, Lord, uh, that you would use us all as intercessors, that you would place in our hearts desires for mercy, Father, uh, not to overlook sin and not to excuse it, Father, but to see, see it exactly as it is that left unchanged and unchecked, judgment would fall. And so, Lord, we do ask you for mercy. And if people do things for us against us, Father, we will ask you for mercy for them and not be glib and say, well, they'll get what's coming to them. Uh, because you're merciful, Father. Your example has been mercy. And so, Lord, we thank you that you'll show those things to us. You'll help us be the people of mercy, Father. Uh, and we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, uh, personally, I think 
that this message is worth its weight in gold, you know. So, uh, you know, if the church could live a little bit more like this, I think we'd see the Lord do, be able to do a lot more things, amen. Uh, and so we'll, we'll, we'll get there, amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. Uh, and um, so, so be praying for uh, Lois Underwood and her family. Uh, you know, the, like I said, the, the funeral is this Sunday at 6 p.m. at Vanderwall's. And they're going to have visitation from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and so, um, you know, anytime you lose a loved one, it doesn't matter if they're 100 years old. You know, you still, uh, there's still a loss there. And, and I know uh, I've got a pastor friend of mine up in New York. He just lost his dad. Uh, but um, uh, he put it on, on Facebook and said, you know, please don't grieve with us. We're, we're full of joy. He lived a good long life and, and he had a great home going. And, uh, and so, you know, generally speaking, that's a great great attitude to have as a Christian. Uh, but if you've been with somebody for, I think Lois has been married for 48 years, something like that, a long time. Uh, was it 45 years? That's a long time married to somebody. And so just the absence of their presence, you know, can, can cause your emotions to rise up and, and uh, for you to miss them and long for them, right? And so those are things we pray for, for folks like that. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And, and uh, also don't forget to pray for uh, Tony Marable. Uh, and Isabella also, Jared's girlfriend Isabella is not well, and, uh, has, been, has been tested for COVID. Um, and so even though she's got her shot, she's got COVID. So, uh, so be praying for her and her and her roommates. You know, they're, they're down in a leper colony at her apartment. So uh, they both got COVID. And um, didn't she have, I thought she had two roommates. Okay, so one's, one's making it okay. So... We've been praying for them for speedy and swift recovery. Amen. Uh, and all will be well. So uh, praise God. Well, you all have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll see you on Sunday.